This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. During all the days when we have intense political campaigning, we hear a lot of charges which Republicans and Democrats and independents hurl at each other. They really don't have very many kind words to say each other to each other. It would be a strange happening, though, if indeed the Republicans and the Democrats and independents and anybody else in some other political party were to join forces in some endeavor. But you know what? This is exactly what happened to Jesus one day when two antagonistic opposing groups teamed up to try to trap him. We hear a lot today about the scribes and Pharisees, but on one occasion, the Sadducees and the Pharisees got together for the purpose of tempting Jesus. They said, show us a sign from heaven that you are under God's authority. And then Jesus countered them with a question of his own. Why do you ask me for a sign? You're experts in signs. In the evening, when the sky is red, you say it's going to be a fine day tomorrow. And in the morning, when the sky is red, you say that you're in for a stormy day. Back then, there was a saying, which everybody knew. A red sky at night is the shepherd's delight. A red sky in the morning is the shepherd's warning. Jesus said to them, you know how to interpret the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. And then he left them and departed. That's Matthew 16, verse, first four verses. On another occasion, as Jesus sat down on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. This is not the scribes and Pharisees now. This is, this is his disciples. They said, tell us, What shall be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? That's Matthew 24, verse 3. The mood of Jesus in his answer was quite different here. For in Matthew's account of Jesus' answer, in the next 94 verses, actually, they're all taken up with the full explanation that Jesus gave concerning the signs of his coming and of the end of the world. Several things were included in his answer. There was the parable of the fig tree, the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, the parable of the sheep and the goats. It seemed to me to be apparent that our Lord wanted his followers to know what the signs of his coming were. So he went to great lengths to tell us how we might know the signs of the times. Throughout my past years of pastoral ministry, I have been often questioned by people in our own church family and also from others in the community where I've lived, asking whether I thought the world would be coming to an end on such and such a date that had been uh, set forth by some person and, or group and announced publicly. You know, there are always those who are saying that this is going to happen during this particular time frame. Well, Jesus warned his followers not to fall into the error of trying to set a particular date. I don't know how those who set specific dates deal with such passages of Scripture, such as Matthew 24, 36, which says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. 
or Acts 1, 7, where Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. <coughs> and so when people have asked me what I thought about when the world is going to end and is it going to happen on such and such a date, <coughs> I usually say to them, I have no assurance that God is going to wait till that date. We don't know what a day may bring forth, the Bible tells us. <coughs> One clear Bible teaching, though, is that Jesus assured his followers that there were signs throughout the scriptures, as well as his own words, which would make it very clear to those who have eyes to see that the time is near. Luke 21, verse 28 says, When these things began to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So what are some of these signs that Jesus was talking about? I want to mention just a few. The first, bewildered people. Luke records Jesus' words in Luke 21, verse 25. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Jesus said that whole nations would be under pressure from every point of view, be no apparent way out. Oh, when we look at our world today and we find worldwide frustration, wars, great abundance, and yet millions of people starving every day, is there any wonder why people are bewildered and perplexed? Jesus also said that one indication of this bewilderment would be that many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. That's Matthew 24, 10. Have you ever known of a time when there's more of this kind of hatred and betrayal and bewilderment on every hand? Bewildered people don't have to look far to find these. Another sign that Jesus was talking about was immorality. And by this word, I'm not restricting its meaning only to sexual vice. That, certainly, but not just that. The word in its larger meaning implies just plain wickedness in many dimensions. Look again with me at Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. <clears throat> Jesus said, But as the days of Noah were, so also shall be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall be the coming of the Son of Man. How was it back in the days of Noah? Well, we don't have to wonder about that. We can find the answer if we look back to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 6. Let me read just a few verses there. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth." Genesis chapter 6, several verses there. In spite of all God's ample warnings through Noah, 
The people were so occupied with themselves and with their wickedness, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Matthew 24, verse 39. Today our society is filled with people who give God very little thought. Oh, they might not claim to be atheists as such, but the bottom line is the same. When they live as if there were no God to whom they must give an accounting. Another sign of the end of time, corruption in religion. Jesus said, many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Matthew 24, verse 11. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the apostle Paul warned, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. My dear friends, I have very little sympathy for those fanatic individuals who go around saying religion is all rotten. The church is all corrupt. Let's throw it all out. It's the thing of the past. But on the other hand, we know that there are definite tendencies in some areas toward a compromise with the world. A church which finds itself completely in harmony with society in which it lives had better take heed. Something is wrong. Christianity becomes corrupt when we try to harmonize with everybody else and forget that old gospel song that says, I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. We sang that earlier in our service today. I often think of the man who decided one day to learn to play the violin. He kept sawing away on just one note. Somebody said to him, hey, fella, that, that's not the, way to play, not the way to play the violin. You, you don't just keep your finger on one string. You run your fingers up and down the strings. The man replied, oh, no, those other people do that. They're looking for the right note. I found it. Here it is right here. <laughs> I, I agree with old Dr. Vance Havner, who says that the church has the message of the gospel. It has the right note for this or for any other day. And Christians have no business playing any of the tunes of this age. Our business as a church is to tell the story of Jesus and his love and then to help people who have come to Christ and surrender of life to find out how to grow in him and to mature Christians. <clears throat> I get right sick at heart when I see some church groups trying to identify with every perversion that comes along. So much so they surrender the one message they have to give. People tell me about churches where preachers get up and take a page out of the Reader's Digest or a current event and just talk about that with little or no reference to what the Bible has to say. Something is wrong. We see corruption all around us. And when it's in the church, that's a, a terrible, terrible sign. But it, as a reminder that we can see the end fast approaching. Another sign that, that the Bible tells us about, Jesus said, uh, increased lawlessness. Matthew 24, verse 12. As lawlessness spreads, men's love for one another will grow cold. <clears throat> I almost feel like it's unnecessary to illustrate the fact that lawlessness is rampant today 
in our beloved America. You can pick up the newspaper or turn on uh, your computer and get a, or TV and get news. Uh, you can see that uh, the all kind of sordid stories about people who take their law, the law into their own hands. Here's what the Bible has to say about that. 2 Timothy 3, the first five verses. And if you want to read that very closely, you can see what it says. Let me uh, just refer to that instead of reading it right now for the sake of time. Take your Bible and look at First Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, the first five verses. Let me just give you an excerpt of what that said. Remember this. There'll be difficult times in the last days. Uh, men will be selfish, greedy, boastful, conceited. They'll be insulting, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, irreligious. They'll be unkind, merciless, slanderous, violent, fierce. They'll hate the good. They'll be treacherous, reckless, swollen with pride. They'll love pleasure rather than God. And on and on and on it goes. Second Timothy 3. Read that for yourself. That sort of sounds like today's news, doesn't it? But the scripture says that this is the way things are going to be in the last days. When I began preparing this message, I, I had quite a list of things I wanted to say. And I, I have a folder full of illustrations I'm talking about that would lead us to know that uh, we're living in the last days, surely. But I found that time not going to permit me to say everything that needs to be said. If, if you'd like to read some of these signs of the times, some other signs, uh, I have a book I want to refer you to. It's pretty accurate. They're, they're all listed there. I promise you, you can trust what you read in this book. It's called the Holy Bible. In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, you can continue to read some of those signs of the times. Several years ago, I attended a meeting of some local ministers. And they too have been, uh, had been receiving questions from many in their congregation about the end of the world. One of my pastor friends told us that he preached on that subject uh, this, that past Sunday morning. The title of his sermon was, Will Jesus Come Again in, in the year he was talking about that year? After he finished sharing his message and what he had to say, I asked him, I said, Do you have a copy of your sermon? I'm planning to preach on that same subject next Sunday. Well, he didn't give me a copy of his sermon, but he did give me his outline. Three points the certainty of His coming, the conditions of His coming, and the consequences of His coming. Yes, Jesus is coming to this old earth again. That is certain. We've looked today at some of the conditions that Jesus gave, Matthew 24 and 25, but what about the consequences of His coming? Just about all I've said this morning may have sounded to some people like bad news. But the gospel is good news. Good news is always more welcomed when it's needed the worst. And therefore the signs of the times make the gospel even more glorious. In the midst of a sinful, corrupt world, Christ is waiting to be our helper, our advocate, our comforter, our savior. He's waiting to help us. A man was on trial, but he could not afford a lawyer. So the judge told him that the state would provide a lawyer for him. The judge said, you may choose your lawyer. There's one over there to your left, one over there to your right, and there's another one out there in the hall. The man looked at the lawyer 
on his right, and then he looked toward the one on his left, and then he said to the judge, Your Honor, I think I'm going to take a chance in the one in the hall. <laughs> well, today we don't need to look to the right or to the left. Our helper, Jesus Christ, is standing, as it were, in the hall and the wings at the door. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Our response is simply to open the door of our hearts and let him come in. And when we've done that, then we don't need to have any worry about when the end of time is going to be. Our Lord tells us to be ready at any moment, for we simply do not know when Jesus is coming again. When we've given our hearts to Jesus, then the thought of his second coming is joyous, not something to dread. But his coming will not be glorious for you unless you're ready for him to come right now into your heart. Is there something you need to do to get ready for his return? There's no better time than right now. Oh God, help us to be able to say when we open our hearts to you and know that there's no division, no blockage between you and us. Our hearts are open, then we can say truly, it is well with my soul. Help us, Lord, to confess our sin, to receive Jesus, not just for some time in the past, but day by day, and to know that we're His. We pray in His wonderful name. Amen.